It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode of the Coaching Coordinator Podcast is from year one, our in-season series with former college head coach, NFL coordinator, Terry Shea. And in this particular episode, we're talking about adjustments in the late season, adjustments to routine. And we look at how that affects players and what you want to do in practice, as well as things you want to think about with your coaching staff. We talked in this one about the use of technology, and obviously we've jumped ahead here in the last couple years, and coaches are doing a lot of this. But some great tips here from Coach as we think about how to adjust as we get into the late season. Welcome to another episode of The Game Plan, our weekly segment with our guest host, Terry Shea. Coach Shea, it's great to have you here again. Thanks, Keith. It's great to be with you. and looking forward to today's discussion. Coach, we're heading into the last quarter to third of the season, depending on where you are in the country. And it's a time of the season that maybe the approach starts to change a little bit. We had the beginning of the season, learning and especially getting the repetitions you need within your system, within what you've installed in camp is not necessarily the focus anymore. I think you get more to making sure you keep the timing. You have to consider things like the player's health and safety, how their bodies might be reacting now as the season gets towards the end of it. And I think other things too, like the coaching staff's mental health. You want those guys sharp as well. You don't want it to feel like they've been worn down the season. So there's certainly a lot of things to consider here. I think it's maybe a little bit more of an art than a science. But what's been your approach as you've headed into this part of the season? Well, I think there are a number of things that factor into approaching the final quarter of a season. The head coach has to really be good. And sometimes he draws on his experience. And that's why it's It's so valuable to have a head coach with coaching experience from that level. But you have to assess the health of your team. Are the core players that you count on from week to week, are they healthy? Are they in the proper state of mind? So that's number one. Number two is you want to make sure you put on the brakes when it comes to adding additional plays to your playbook or to your game plan, be very selective as to which plays you do add, because the more you add as a coaching staff, the more you get away from your core plays that may have been so successful and so productive for you early on in the year as you came out of training camp. So 
that's the second factor. And I think the third factor is that you want to measure the minutes spent on the practice field. You don't have to spend two hours in practice anymore at this point in the season. And when you cut back on practice minutes, you want to make sure that you get the proper number of reps in terms of the shortened down period of practice time in order to maintain the timing of your execution. And boy, if you lose your timing at this point in the year, your execution really drops off considerably. So those, in my opinion, Keith, are the three most important factors that a head coach would want to monitor. Coach, let's go into detail a little bit more on each of those. And we spoke at length in a previous podcast about adding wrinkles and a procedure for doing that. I'm wondering what you think of this statement. I think you go through that period, you have your initial install and your initial things you do in your first few games. You have your tendencies that you've developed. You go through and you break some of those tendencies and add a wrinkle here or there. As you head into this last third of the season, do you think it's an opportunity to maybe go back to some of the things you were doing at the beginning, which were the foundation and core of what you were doing, because they're not necessarily tendencies anymore? Well, I think there's certainly merit to that. And to go back to some of the plays that made up your foundation early on in the season is a real smart thing to do. You don't want to continue to add things just because you saw something on your film study or you saw something on a college TV game and all of a sudden you think, well, man, we can insert that play. Well, pretty soon that play becomes two and three and sometimes a half a dozen of those new thoughts and you lose track of who you are and what was really good for you early in the season. So be very selective in adding new materials and have a reason as to why it fits into your scheme of things rather than just the fact that it worked for another team or it worked for a college team on television. How do you approach what comes along with this at this time of the year when you are so disciplined, I think, about sticking to what you've been doing? The mental fatigue or I don't want to call it the boredom, but certainly coaches, I think, have that want to be creative and do some things. And I think players are a little bit more inspired sometimes when they feel there's a new wrinkle or two. How do you temper that at this time of the year to keep that focus on this is who we are, this is what we do? I think it certainly begins on the practice field. And when you take the field late in the season, you better have tremendous purpose as to what you want to accomplish, how you want to accomplish it. And I think this is a good time of the year to consider not only shortening practice down, but maybe changing up the routine in terms of what do we wear to practice? Are we going out in shoulder pads only, or are we going to take the shoulder pads off? You have to remember that your football team has been in full contact for a good number of weeks. Maybe by this point in time in the year, it might be eight to 10 weeks. And your guys haven't forgotten how to hit or to tackle, but to take the pads off and practice sometimes creates a little bit more bounce in their movement. And consequently, you get the timing that you want, and consequently, the execution follows. So from that standpoint, I think that's the right approach at this point in time is to shave some minutes off, change up the routine of what you wear in practice, and go to more game situation kind of reps. Practice what's truly going to make a difference 
in these last three or four games of the season by practicing those game situations as much as you can. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about those situations, but stepping back for a second, let's focus on changing up what you wear. What were some of the challenges, do you think, because I've seen this as you go from maybe early in the season being padded practice throughout the week to taking those pads off. What are some of the things you want your players to focus on to keep those kinds of sessions in the right frame of mind? Because I've had those teams who didn't understand how to practice when they weren't in full gear. They thought they needed to slow things down. There's also those teams that didn't understand that they were no longer in full gear and that there's things that they couldn't do. So what types of things did you do as a coach to make sure your team was handling that correctly? That's always a a fine edge to travel as a coach to make these kind of decisions on what you wear out to practice and so forth. I think a coach should assess, do I have a young team? Is it a youthful team? And consequently, maybe I keep the pads on that kind of a team more so than a senior-oriented team that has a lot of upperclassmen to it. Consequently, you might back off in terms of wearing shoulder pads as much as you might early in the season. I remember always telling our guys when we go out without shoulder pads on, I always would talk about we've got our fast gear on now. And that's what you fight. Keith, you alluded to it in one of your comments already, is you tend to lose the tempo of practice, potentially, when you take the pads off or when you change up the routine. So you want to keep your players focused on how fast they want to be when it comes to practice. And consequently, especially with the pads off, you can still practice with good tempo. You can practice with good efficiency. And you can still have that bounce in your step. And I think that's the focus you want to keep in front of your players when you change up the routine of what kind of practice equipment you're going to wear on any given day. I'd like to pause there and make coaches out there aware of a resource that we have available on USA Football. It's called Practice Smart. It's a $10 video course which really goes through and outlines the different ways, the different tempos you can use in practice. How can you get to this point in the season, for example, take off and maybe go in just the uppers and have a great practice? And really it puts the focus on where contact belongs, where you need contact in practice, and how you can back off some of that contact and do like you've just mentioned, keep the timing. And it's a great video with Robert Weiner, who is the head football coach at one of the nation's best high schools right now, Plant High School in Tampa. And also Tony Dungy is a big part of that video as well. And Tony Dungy mentioned in that video, Coach, that when he first started out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was only used to one way. So it was... The revelation to him when he started working with Bill Walsh and some of the other coaches of this is how to practice in a different way, that I don't need contact in every single phase of practice. Well, I can certainly appreciate that. I remember being at the Kansas City Chiefs one year, and I also saw this done at the college level. Is Toward the end of the season, when you're nearing that final quarter of the year, you go out with full pads on or shoulder pads on, and you get your contact work done early in the practice, meaning maybe you have a nine-on-seven run period or you have a tackling drill, and then the team actually took their pads off and put them off to the side or put them onto the track, and you practice the remaining 60 minutes with no pads on. So that's another approach that I've seen work very well, and 
I think the players kind of go through a mental transition when they say, man, we've got the pads off now, and it feels like we can run around a little bit quicker. So there's that part of the psychology to it as well. But that's one approach, Keith, that I remember very distinctly, and it seemed like it kind of rejuvenated some of the players, and it wasn't always announced. It was kind of a, hey, okay, guys, let's take five minutes, get some water, and get your pads off and come back ready to practice for another 60 minutes. So that's another approach. Yeah, I think that's a good approach as well. And keeping this beat of practice, keeping that mental edge, I think is important. And you brought up earlier the situational side of it, really focusing, taking your plays and making sure they're always in a situation. And early in the year, you want to have a situational focus. Sometimes it's, hey, we're working on our base offense. It's first and second down. It loses a little bit of that feel as you're repping through those. But now I think at this time of the year, really putting everything into that framework of here's what's going to happen in the game. Here's how we're going to use these things in the game, I think also helps keep that mental edge. It certainly is a big factor in your mental preparation. I remember my years with Coach Bill Walsh, and he would never allow us to practice any given play on offense or on defense that did not have a down and distance and a game situation tagged to it. So that's extremely important. Sometimes when you practice your first and second down plays, they can kind of get a little bit mushy in terms of, you're not sure why you're practicing certain plays. I would always tell the offense, now these particular first down calls are what we call our drive starters. So every time we go out for a new possession, expect to hear one of these plays called. And now we're going to practice for the next six reps. We're going to practice our drive starters. So you even break it down even further as to why you're practicing some first down plays versus why you're practicing third down plays and so forth and so on. So I think that can really give a football team tremendous focus and their recall during the course of a game now says, yeah, I can anticipate these five or six plays being called as we take the field on a change of possession. So that's another good way to approach the practice routine. And I think you can also really do some things within there that make it a little bit more mental for your coaches as well. A coach I learned this from was Stan Parrish, who at the time was the offensive coordinator at Ball State University. And Stan, obviously, coached at Michigan. He had a Super Bowl ring being the quarterback's coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and spent a lot of time around both the NFL and college football. And so he's a great football mind. I've seen this out there in other places. But something Stan would like to do throughout the course of the season to keep things fresh is he would do what he called a second and eight scrimmage. And it wasn't necessarily a scrimmage. It certainly doesn't have to be done in full pads. But you would start with the situation being second and eight, which obviously affords you the ability to maybe look at some of your longer yardage plays, but also still can keep you in some of those base plays as well. And then after that play, if a first down was not attained by the offense, you would go into a third down call. So your coaches had to have their third down offense ready and be prepared to have that third down call. I think that's another interesting way to keep it mixed up during the course of the season, not get caught up in, hey, we're going to run these 25 plays today in team offense where this is going to be 10 plays in our third downs, that it mixes it up. It keeps the competition, again, 
depending on what level of contact you institute for that keeps the level of competition going and keeps everybody kind of mentally engaged in it as well. I like that. It keeps your play caller sharp as well because he has to make sure that he stays possibly one play ahead of the play call. So I like that approach. And I think that keeps your defense in a game situation approach on every snap. And if one side of the ball needs it as much as the other, I sure think the defense oftentimes plays situations much more importantly than the offense does. So that helps both sides of the ball. Keeping the staff out of that rut of maybe getting into the routine of the season a little too much, of staying fresh and it's week seven, it's week eight, bigger games are on the horizon, that you don't want those guys to start to feel worn down or mentally fatigued either. What kinds of things do you think you need to do to keep your staff sharp? If you're a long hour coach where you meet with your staff after every practice and you keep them there until whatever time at night, you need to start shortening down maybe some of your coaches' meetings in terms of time, giving them a little bit more of a break away from football at the end of the day. I think all those things add to morale of the staff and a sharpness mentally to the staff. So, And you might change up the routine with your staff a little bit. Maybe there's an opportunity to meet early in the morning, and as soon as practice is over, they get to go home. You can kind of flip things around to where I think you keep a coaching staff not only fresh, but rejuvenated to want to go to work again each day. So and you have to remember when you're at the high school level, some of your staff members are not full time. So you want to take that into account and they may not have the same passion that the head coach has at the high school level. And sometimes that has to be taken into account. So you can make sure your staff is ascending rather than flattening when it comes to the the final quarter of the season by changing up your routine some. I think that's a good point there. Their routine obviously is important as well. And I think the neat thing over the last six to eight years, you've seen the advancements in technology where we used to be tied to reel to reel with a coach's clicker and that thing spinning back and forth until you'd break the tape. I learned all kinds of different words from my dad when that tape would break, but you were tied to that piece of equipment. You had to watch it in the office. And today, coach can be anywhere and see that video right there on his phone. And we have to remember that too, that some of us who went through that, Tom, I guess maybe some of our younger coaches haven't experienced it, but we're not tied to the office anymore for, for everything that we do, that we have the ability to look at things be a little bit more concise with what we do, efficient with what we do because of the technology. Well, that's certainly a game changer. You're right. And it sure beats taking the old film up on the side of the wall to splice and to re-splice. But there's another part of it, Keith, that I want to encourage the young coaches to understand. And that is with all the technology and everything, it can send a coaching staff off into the night and they don't get a chance to communicate with each other as you do when you watch something together. And that's where a staff grows, is when the experienced coach can lend some of his expertise and some of the detail of what they're trying to accomplish 
to the younger coaches, and you see the growth of a staff really take place. So it's important to continue to do things together when it comes to film watching, even though a technology allows you to kind of splinter off. So keep that in mind as a head coach or an offensive coordinator when you're trying to make sure that the coaches on your staff are hearing the exact coaching points and they translate those points onto their players. So I hope all the coaches will appreciate that kind of approach as well. Yeah, I think you don't want to use technology and delegate away the ability to get together. You certainly can become more efficient with it. Your coaches can go out and, for example, pull together some of the key things that they saw as they maybe reviewed the practice film or the opponent film, bring those back to the table. And maybe that cuts down the time or gives them a little bit more flexibility in their time, especially this time of the year that, hey, go and watch this on your own. You know we've been doing this all year. You know what to look for. Let's bring it back in the morning. You mentioned that morning meeting. Let's bring it back in the morning. Uh, be very concise. What do we need to get done? Make sure we get it on the practice plan so that afternoon we're very efficient. Very important. Very important, Keith. Yes. Well, Coach, I think we shared some great ideas here on how to negotiate and get through and make this part of the season as invigorating as it was at the beginning to make sure you're not caught in the routine of the season, that you flip things up, you keep it interesting for both your coaches and your players, and keep having fun as you progress through the season. Very much so. Lightening up practice can add tremendous morale to your team. I've been around where they put the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman down 40 yards and the punter punts the ball and there's a competition (laughs) at the end of practice. I mean, anything you can do to kind of generate some enthusiasm that doesn't necessarily pertain to always execution and scoring points. Keep every thought in mind as you approach the last quarter of the season and make it fun for your players. Coach, I look forward to talking with you next week and sharing some more ideas here on the game plan. Great, Keith. Talk to you soon. Thank you again for following the Coaching Coordinator Podcast and all we're doing here in season to keep your team moving along. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.